So, a sermon. We have been in a series over the last several weeks called Imago Day, and we've been talking about the identity that we have as image bearers. Um, that in an Imago Day, if you're new to the series, Imago Day simply means image of God. We live in a world that tells us that what you do determines your identity. But we have a God who tells us that your identity determines what you do. You are given this God-given identity. And that will shape the trajectory and the course of your life. Now, if you've, like me, or been around someone who is sarcastic, and you've seen someone trip and fall or face plant, you've heard the phrase, that'll leave a mark. You see someone fall, you see someone get hit, you see someone get cut, and usually there's some sarcastic person in the background just under their breath, that'll leave a mark. But it's at times interesting that it's not the physical marks that seem to linger. And it's not the physical marks that seem to last. But it's other marks. Several years ago, I think back in about 2007, my wife and I had taken a trip for a conference to St. Louis. And I had gone into the hotel to check out. She was waiting in the covered drive in our nice um, Buick Enclave rental car that I got as a free upgrade. And she's waiting in the car, and I get back into the driver's seat, and I have a smile on my face, and my chest is stuck out a little bit more than normal. And she looks over at me, and she says, what, what are you so excited about? I said, you will not believe this. In there, there was a young, blonde, 20-year-old female. And as I was leaning on the counter, she looks at me, and she goes, you're really big and muscular. Do you play football? You know, honey, you're pretty lucky. <laughs> and without missing a beat, my wife goes, hmm. She look over the counter. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> Words can leave a mark. <laughs> my therapist says, eventually I will get over this. But words, truth be told, can sometimes hurt far more than the physical pain that we endure. Life leaves a mark. It, at times, um, life leaves us breathless. It leaves us in pain. It leaves us questioning. The, the spouse that we said, till death do us part, is now gone. And there is a hurt that still lingers. The marriage, the job, it leaves this mark. And it's really easy for that mark to mask our identity. For that mark to begin to define who we are. And for us to try to escape the past can sometimes be a daunting prospect. Sin leaves a mark. And we were told in the beginning that it would. But there's part of us that doubted 
that that was truly the case. That sin would leave this lasting mark. We're told in the beginning that if you eat from this tree, it's going to lead to death. But surely it won't do that. Surely it's not going to take us there. There's one tree in the garden. And God says, here is creation. And all of the trees in this garden were intended to be used for food. Except for this one tree in the center of the garden. It is not intended to be used for food. But what sin is, is when we take what was intended purpose for creation and begin to use it for something it was never intended for in the first place, it will always lead to death. Our words that were intended to bring life can lead to death. Because we know there are words that can be life-giving, we know there are words that can absolutely be suffocating. Sex was intended for this good, God-given purpose. But when we take it outside of its intended purpose, it can lead to death. Our vocation, our job, what we do, was intended to bring life, to steward creation. And when we take it outside of its purpose, it can lead to death. And, And understand this. Not just some spiritual death someday off in the future. But I think a a real death of sorts here and now. If you've been to a funeral lately, my guess is there was no question of who the deceased was. It's interesting. We have an easier time seeing death in other people than we do seeing death in ourselves. I would imagine it's the person in the audience at the funeral who sees death better than the one who is in the casket. There's this perspective that changes. And then there's a story right after Adam and Eve find themselves on the outside of the garden looking in. They find themselves moving eastward away from the presence of God and they have some sons. And one of the sons named Cain kills his brother Abel. And he tries to hide what he's done from God, and God confronts him with this. And God talks about the result of this. And I want you to listen to what Cain says to God. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. It's easy for our past to become what defines us, and to think it's something, it's impossible for us to outrun, something impossible for us to out to escape. But I want you to listen to God's response to Cain. Cain looks at God and says, death is the only possibility. There is no other way to go from here but towards death. Here's what God says. The Lord said to him, not so. Not so. 
Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain Cain says, this burden that I carry is far too great for me. And the only possibility I see moving forward is death. God says, not so. Not so. There is a different way things can go. And it's interesting that God is having this conversation with Cain. Because it was Cain, along with his parents, who were put outside of the garden. Who seemed to be outside of the presence of God. In this move eastward, away from the presence of God, it's still in this move away from the presence of God that God is with Cain. It seems like creation is running from the Creator, and yet somehow, some way, the Creator is still there pursuing His creation. Wanting a relationship with His creation, loving His creation. And God puts a mark on Cain. But this mark is not what we would expect. It's not Hester Prynne's scarlet letter. But it is a mark of protection. Inevitably, after he kills his brother, God puts a mark on him. And says, I am going to protect him. I am going to give him a sign. I am going to set him apart. There is something different about Cain. That is going to show people. That he belongs to me. He puts a mark on him. See the beauty of this Imago Dei. The image of God is that God has put his mark on us. He has marked us with his image. And so often, the marks of the world scream out that God's mark does not matter. That the mark of pain, the mark of words, the mark of loss carry far more weight than the mark of the Creator who says, you are made in my image. You carry my mark. You are set apart. That in some strange way, this murderer is set apart by God. He's a part of creation, but yet he is apart from creation. He's a part of this creation, but he's to live apart from creation. He's set apart, and he's different from everyone else. See, the beauty of this, though, is God did not just tell us that these marks we bear are something that we had to deal with. He didn't just tell us how. He showed us how. Through a Messiah who bears the marks that we bear as well. Thomas. One of the disciples 
who's struggling to believe in this resurrection, says, so the other disciples, verse 25, went to Thomas, and they said, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were at the house again, and Thomas was left, was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hands and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Thomas asks to see the marks. I want to see the marks, and if I see the marks, then I will believe you are truly the Son of God. You truly are who you say you are. Why did Jesus, or why did Thomas believe? Because he saw the mark. See, the cross represents the absolute worst that sin could possibly do to another person. And in the cross, you see vulnerability and shame and misunderstanding and hurt and rejection and failure and suffering and death. And my guess is just the same as Cain says, this is too much for me to bear. These are the thoughts of Jesus. That this is too much to bear. God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? God, why are you so far from saving me? Thomas says, where, where are the marks in your hands? Where are the marks in your feet? If I see the marks, then I will believe. See, I think Thomas, along with Cain, have come to this place where death is the only possibility. And they needed to hear the words of God simply say, not so. That's not how this story ends. Understand, we, we, we tend to think that Jesus came to save us from God. But Jesus did not come to save you from God. Jesus came to reveal God as Savior. He, he came to show you, to embody what God looks like. The writer in Hebrew says the Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. The sun is the radiance of God. The exact representation of his being. Do you want to know what God looks like? God does not look like some evil, vengeful, judgment-seeking God. God looks like Jesus on a cross. 
with his arms outstretched and his words that say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. If you want to know what God looks like, look no further than the person of Jesus. See, the church, as we gather, are a collection of marked people. That's what the church is. This collection of marked people, marked with the image of God, the image that that defines them, the image that made them, but also marked by the hurt and the pain of the world around them. And it's easy to allow the hurt and the pain that marks us to speak louder than the voice of God. And it's easy to allow the hurt and the pain that marks us to define who we are and to hold on to our past and identify ourselves by our past. And God says, not so. Your past, your pain does not define you. Jesus defines you. The God who made you defines you. He speaks to who you are. And His voice is the only voice that matters. You are made in His image. And you bear His marks above all the other marks that you bear. But I think like Thomas, like Thomas, we struggle to believe. Because in this world, this image of God that we bear gets beaten up pretty badly. It gets bruised. It gets cut. It gets battered. And we start to question whether the image that God put inside of us, if that mark is greater than the mark's this world leaves on us. And this morning, I think there's a lot of people that need to hear the words of God to Cain, who feel like the marks have left them in a place where they can't manage, where it's far too much for them to bear. And the only possibility from this point forward, looks like death. And God says, not so. That's not how this story ends. Thomas, look at my hands. Reach out your hands and touch my hands. Put your hand in my side. This is not how the story ends. I know you see the beaten and bruised body. I know you see the pierced hands. I know you see a body that's bruised and beaten and scarred by the world. I know you see my marks. But God, seeing me with my marks, seeing me in the grave, reached down into the grave, reached down into death, Thomas, and he raised me up. He healed me. 
He breathed life back into my lungs. And now you can see my hands. You can see the marks that were there. They're still there, but he healed them. And not only did he heal those marks, he used those marks to heal other people. He used my marks to heal what was broken. To heal the marks left by those words. To heal the marks left by life. To heal the marks left by loss. To heal the marks left by sin. To heal the marks left by death. You see, it's through our marks The Holy Spirit empowers us to leave a mark on this world. It's through our marks, it's through our pain, it's through our past that God's Spirit speaks life into you and allows you to leave a mark on this world. And the beauty of the mark that you leave through those marks is they beautifully Reflect a broken Savior. A crucified and risen Lord. And Peter, as he talks to this church who's scattered throughout Rome, who feels like they don't belong, who feels as if they're marked and beaten and left behind, he tells them, He reminds them, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he says to them, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day that he visits you. And listen, because this is the message this morning. And I believe that it's going to set some people free. Because you live life. And everything that you think of every day is your past. The hurt, the pain, the mistakes all of that that you've been through that you carry around and the burden seems too great and the only possibility moving forward seems like death and God says to you, not so. That's not how this story ends. See, we are a collective of mark bearers empowered by Christ to be a collective of mark makers.
that it's the marks that we bear through God's Spirit that will allow us to leave a mark on this world. And that mark beautifully reflects Jesus. Let's be a church that leaves a mark on this world. Father, we pray and we ask you through our marks, through our wounds, through our scars, that you would bring healing, that you would raise these dead, feeble bones back to life. That you would help us to see that death is not the only possibility. That there is another way forward. And that we are marked with your protection. That we are marked with your image. That we are marked with the blood of Christ. And those marks, those marks speak far more than any other mark that we will ever endure to our identity. Father, help us to believe. Help us to believe as we gather around a table, as we break this bread, as we share this cup. That the marks you bear give us our identity. They give us our value our worth, and we find promise and hope in your marks. The promise that our marks do not define us because your marks do. And so, Father, we gather around this table where all are welcome. Those who have been here often and those who have not been here long. We gather in Jesus' name. Amen.